You know, the worship team has led us into a welcome this morning, a welcome into the presence of God and into each other's presence in lifting up praise to God. Recognizing who he is and what he's done, we give thanks to God. And as you've done that this morning, know that he's heard your voice. He's heard my voice. He knows our heart. He knows what our needs are this morning. And he knows where we're speaking from. And we just give him thanks that he can receive all of that. And he can redeem all of that. And he can give thanks for all of that. We give thanks to him this morning. Way to sing it, way to worship. Heartland, be welcome. Have a seat. I'm just joining the worship team. I'm Craig Cheney. Just on behalf of all of Heartland, we say hello to one another. Can we do that together? I'm going to count to three. And on three, just say hello. Okay. Let's try it and see how we do. One, two, three. Hello. Good. All of you online jumped in on that, I know. We look forward to hearing that from the digital universe. But it's a joy to be together. You know, we have this spring tease going on. Isn't that an appropriate reference to it? Like, if you've put your snow shovel away, that's a good sign you'll probably need it. I don't know, in a week or two. I don't know. You know how this goes here. Um, we hope it goes just like it has been, that we continue to enter into spring and take full advantage of a warming trend and all the opportunities to get outside. Let's do it. Let's take advantage of it. It's a great opportunity to reconnect with neighbors. You know, those neighbors that you haven't seen for a year, not because of weather, but because of COVID and other things, it's time to break out of that. It's time to get reconnected, and we want to take advantage of that. You know, one of the ways that we get to serve our community is from time to time, we have the opportunity to gather items, bring them here so they can be distributed to those in need. They could be backpacks, coats, food, whatever it might be. This month, we get the opportunity to gather up clothing, adult clothing for men and for, for women who are in transition, maybe in transitional housing, but they're moving from one context now to another and they're in need of clothing. And so there's a group, an adult resource center group that helps this happen. And some of the clothing that will be gathered will be distributed to some of our close partners like Gracious Promise and Anchor Her. Ministries to men and to women who in transition uh, so welcome and so appreciate the gift of clothing. So this is clothing they would use in their everyday, uh, pursuing job applications, going to work, whatever it may be, as well as underclothes. So Underclothes are an important part of the clothing package, right? And uh, in the case of shirts, pants, and other things, those can be lightly worn, all cleaned, ready to go. In the case of underclothes, we want those new, if you would. And that includes socks, t-shirts, underwear, whatever that may be. As you bring them, as you prepare for those, be praying for the people that will receive these. That these would be received as a gift from God a God who knows them and sees them and is providing for them. That's going to all come together on the Sunday, March 21st, two Sundays from now. And instead of bringing it into the atrium and leaving it here, you'll want to drop it off on the south side of the building. There's some gray doors over there typically used for food distribution. Uh, there'll be folks there ready uh, to take those things you bring um, and put it together and prepare it for those who will distribute it. So take advantage of that. Prepare for two Sundays from now bring clothing to serve those needs. We've been in a series called The Last Words of Jesus, and it's been in preparation for Easter, which is just around the corner, first weekend of April. 
And those last words are inclined to take us into the focus and the perspective, the heart and the mindset of Jesus as he's moving to the cross and ultimately to resurrection. All things Easter are able to be found and, and followed on our website, Easter at Heartland. So take advantage of that, point your friends to that, bring them with you or engage with them online, whatever the case may be, that we might celebrate that weekend. Jesus offering himself for us and through the cross into the grave and then the restoration to resurrection life that he's offered to us. So that's coming quickly. Just want you to key into that and take advantage of that. As our series is focused on the last words of Jesus, today we get the opportunity to enter into some of his first words and some of his constant words through his earthly ministry here. And we get to do that from the heart and from the lips of Brad Herndon. We've mentioned that God has made provision for us of a new leader to join us here at Heartland as one of our lead team members. And Brad is here with us this morning. You get to see him in the flesh and hear his voice. Uh, we want to welcome him in just a moment. What's exciting in regard to Brad is he's not Jesus but he comes in love with Jesus and representing Jesus and inviting us to have access to Jesus. And we're grateful for the message God's put on Brad's heart. Brad's family remains in Minneapolis and will for a little while. Brad joins us officially April 1st, but he's made himself available and able to come and be with us today and offer the message God's put in his heart to invite us to hear Jesus' voice and respond to him today. So when Brad comes, join me in giving him a really big Heartland welcome. It is just great, Brad, to have you joining us. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Brad, come join us. Give us the word. Harlan Community Church, how are you guys? Doing well? Good. It is, it is amazing to be here with you, to be jumping in with you, to be locking arms with Craig and the team here. You've got an incredible team. You've got an awesome thing going on here, and I'm just so grateful to be, to be with you. My family is up in Minneapolis. They're actually watching online, along with many of you who are watching online. So those of us who are here in the room, can we just give some noise, make some noise for all those people who are watching online? So thanks for worshiping with us, everyone. So Craig introduced us a little bit. We're going to get to know each other more as the months go on, uh, but just to help us continue get to get to know each other. So I've been married to my wife, Allison, for 16 years. We met in the beautiful, bustling metropolis of Kirksville, Missouri, at Truman State University. Uh, go Bulldogs. And uh, 16 years later, we have these four kids. I think we have a picture of them. Our four kids. We have a couple dogs. We're living the minivan life doing the best we can, and uh, people, uh, you ever, anyone listen to Jim Gaffigan, any Jim Gaffigan fans out there? Yeah, he says, you know, people always ask me what it's like having four kids, and I tell them, just imagine you're drowning, <laughs> and then someone hands you a baby, <laughs> and that, I don't care if you have four kids or one kid or two, it's just life, that's kind of what it feels like, the kind of circus, the chaos that we've got going on. We've lived all over the, the Midwest, grew up in uh, St. Louis, uh, in Missouri, lived for about 15 years down in Arkansas, and we spent the past four years up in Minneapolis. And uh, it's been a beautiful season 
of life and ministry. And uh, you, you may wonder, why, why would a family relocate, you know, especially in these times? Why would, we, why would we come down to Kansas City? And I don't know if you've ever experienced negative 50 degree days. I mean, I know you guys had a little cold snap a few weeks ago, um, you know, in the negative temperatures. And, and when there's a minus sign in front of it, I don't care who, that's cold. That, 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 that amount of cold is just dumb. There's no need for that amount of cold. But, um, uh, but in all honesty, our time there has been wonderful. We love our, our church family there. Uh, we've loved the time that we spent up in Minnesota, but we are so thrilled at what God is inviting us to next. And really what it comes down to, why we would take this step in the first place, really kind of comes down to these words right here, Jesus first people. Now those words might be familiar to you because they're your words, Heartland. These are words that, that you guys came up with, you're a leadership team. And for many years, uh, I have known Heartland. I've worshiped with you, I have family in the area. When we were down here, I would come and just sit in these blue seats with you. I have friends who have worshiped here from my Truman days, uh, friends who are on your staff, paid attention to you over the years. And you need to know this church is known across the country. Your impact has been heard of. Um, but, but, and I know that the past couple of years have kind of been a, a, a journey. There's been some tough challenges. And, and we've watched you and prayed for you, but when your leadership team recently added those words of Jesus first people into your vision statement, well, then I knew that something special was ahead. Something special for Heartland? Yeah. But something even more special for Kansas City and for the world. Because, because I just want to remind you today that, that, that the people who stand up here on this stage, pastors like me, and you have had some phenomenal pastors over the years, uh, we don't change the world. Buildings and cool programs, those don't change the world. What has changed the world more than anything else over the past 2,000 years has been a Jesus first people. And by you committing to this simple and yet radical statement to be a Jesus first people, well, that's what I want to be jumping into with you. And so just before we jump into the message today, can we do this together? Can we commit to being a Jesus first people together and take on what God has for us in this next season? Are you in? All right. Well... I was almost okay. We're gonna, we might have to work on that. Are you in, Harlan? Are you ready for this? All right. So speaking of words, as Craig said, I've heard that you've been in a series called The Last Words of Jesus, and I asked the team if I could kind of take a spin on it, uh, but talk about some of the first words of Jesus. And uh, just, just as the last words that someone says kind of has a profound way of capturing what's most important to them. Um, similarly, the first words that we hear someone say in a new season uh, also has a way of capturing something super significant and profound. And so we're going to look at some of Jesus' first words. And it's kind of like when Jesus steps on the scene uh, around 30 years old when he steps into his ministry, it's kind of like, you know, a coach stepping into a locker room, you know, speaking to a new team that they've just taken on. And, and what is the coach going to say to the team in that moment? Or of a, a business leader taking on a business and, and gathering with the whole staff. And what words will that, will that business leader share with the staff? Or, or you know, a political leader, a, a government official, a president stepping on to their, their, their inauguration. And what words will they use to signal to the people that they're now leading what they're about and what the future looks like? And so when we look at these words from Jesus, see, Jesus came on the scene and he had this radical message that the God of the universe wants to be in relationship with everyone. But how would Jesus capture that? And there's a word that he uses, one of the first ones that comes out of his mouth, and it's this word right here, follow. 
And it's not just one of the first words he uses when he steps into the season of ministry. It's one that he comes back to over 80 times in the Gospels. This word shows up again as if to say, if we want to understand the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us, well, we need to lean into this word. And the first time it, it, it shows up, Jesus is hanging around the Sea of Galilee. And he's been doing a little bit of teaching and preaching as tends to happen. Some people start to gather and the crowd grows. This kind of happens a lot down the road in Jesus's ministry. And Jesus realizes that not everyone can hear him. So he says, well, I need, I need a bigger platform. I need a bigger you know, pulpit, so to speak. So he looks over on the water's edge. He sees a, a couple fishermen's boats. And one of them is owned by this guy, Simon. Now, later on, we're gonna know Simon is Peter. And Jesus says, hey, Simon, let, let me get in your boat and let me teach the crowds from the water. And Simon agrees and Jesus does his teaching. And then right after he's done, he looks at Simon and, and he says, hey, I know you've been fishing all night. You haven't really caught anything. Throw your nets over on that side of the boat and, and you're gonna catch a whole bunch of fish. And Simon just kind of looks at him like, are you kidding me? This, this is never gonna work. But sure enough, Simon, he throws the nets in and, and the fish come. So many fish that, that Simon uh, has to yell out to the other boats, the other fishermen, and, and, and say, you gotta come here and help me pull all these fish in because I, I can't do it all by myself. And in that moment, Simon looks at Jesus in a, in a new light. And he actually kind of gets down on the floor of his boat and says, says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. And Jesus looks at him and says, don't be afraid. And then here's where that word shows up. Come, follow me. Now, this is such an incredible scene. I mean, just think about what it meant for Simon. So Simon being a fisherman, you know, fishermen obviously were not anything special, first century Judaism. I mean, they weren't like the bottom of the totem pole of society, but they certainly weren't anywhere near the top. And, uh, you know, it would be common for rabbis to be, to be walking around teaching. And every now and then a rabbi would walk around and they'd see someone kind of in their crowd and they'd go, hey, you know what? You're kind of sharp. Why don't you follow me? Why don't you be one of my, my disciples and, uh, and just come follow me? And, but not fishermen. A rabbi would never look at a fisherman and say, hey, come, come follow me. In fact, the fact that Simon was working the boats all night meant that he had long been looked over by many a rabbi, but not by Jesus. And I think it tells us that, that if, if you've ever felt looked over by the world, if you've ever felt looked over by God even, Jesus wants us to know that he doesn't care about your spiritual background. He doesn't care what part of society that you find yourself in. And just like he looked at Simon and gave him this immense invitation into relationship, into discipleship, he looks at you and me and gives us the same invitation. Now the word follow though, see we use this word all the time, right? We've probably used it a couple times even this morning as you've opened up your phone and, and checked your social media or you checked the headlines. See, we, we follow all sorts of stuff. We, we follow headlines. We follow influencers. We follow, we follow friends. We follow fashion trends. By the way, um, I took my daughter Jean shopping a few weeks ago. Apparently, the high waist thing is back. And that, all right. Uh, we, we follow uh, uh, headlines, like I said, we follow stocks. Uh, we follow Marvel, Netflix, TV show spinoffs, WandaVision, anyone? No? A few? Yeah? You, you, you finished it? No? Okay. Well, I, all right, I won't ruin anything for you. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we follow all sorts of things. But when we talk about following something, uh, what we really kind of mean by that is to have a mild curiosity and staying up on something. Isn't that kind of what we mean by following? You know, I'm, I'm just going to stay aware so that if anything important happens or that I need to be aware of, I'm, I'm going to know about it. 
But that's not what Jesus meant when he said follow. And if, I, if we take our understanding of what it means to follow and we kind of impose it on this invitation by Jesus to come follow me, we will miss the immense richness of the relationship that he wants to have with every single one of us. And so how do we avoid that? And what I, what I have found in my life and when I look at this passage is that following Jesus is about finding your next step. It's, it's this, I would kind of demystify discipleship a little bit. Find, following Jesus is really all about finding and, and even fulfilling the next step that he's inviting you to be. That following Jesus always happens one step at a time. And if we go back to this scene at the Sea of Galilee, and if we go through the verses, this shows up in three of the different gospel accounts. And if we go through these verses and kind of hit the pause button a few times, we're going to notice some of the most important steps that you and I can take as we follow Jesus together. And so that's what I want to walk through, four of the most important steps that we can take as followers of Jesus. And so let's look back at this passage, Luke 5. If you want to follow with me, you can either do so on the screens, you can pull out your phone, you can open up the pages. We're going to be in in Luke 5 uh, for the most part today. And Luke tells us, Jesus saw at the water shore two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the one belonging to Simon and he asked him to put a little bit out from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Step one, let Jesus in your boat. Let Jesus in your boat. Let Jesus into the spaces and the places, the areas of your life. And what always kind of blows my mind when I read this scene, this is the Sea of Galilee, right? And so just a few pages, this is where, this is where Jesus is going to be back, and he's going to do his, his whole miraculous walk on water thing, Right? And so if you're thinking, you know, all right, Jesus, you're fresh on the scene, signaling this new era and kind of telling the world that, that, you are, uh, the, that you are God, why not kill two birds with one stone? Why not just walk out on the water now? Why not teach from the water on top of the water and amaze the crowds? Why, why not do that? Why bother with this kind of common, dirty, ordinary probably old and broken down fishing boat. I mean, mind you, this, we have to know, this is not one of those trackers sitting out in front of Bass Pro right now. This, this thing is probably, it's been used for generations. It probably smells like fish. There's probably pieces of fish on the bottom of it. Why would the savior of the universe bother with an ordinary fishing boat? And I think it's because Jesus wants us to know that he wants to come into the fishing boats of your life and mine. You know, think about that. The God of the universe the God whose glory fills the temples, the God whose glory fills the heavens and the skies, that that he wants to meet you at your job site, that he wants to meet you in the break room, that he he shows up in your kitchen, that that he's with you when you're dropping your kids off in the carpool lane at at school, that that, that he's he's with you when you're cheering on your kids at the soccer fields on Saturday, that that, that's, that's where Jesus shows up and Jesus is always showing up there. This isn't the first time or the only, this isn't the only time that Jesus shows up in people's kind of ordinary spaces. In fact, Matthew and Zacchaeus, a couple other guys who started following Jesus, Jesus actually went into their homes. I mean, what would that be like to welcome the the creator of the universe into your home? Or for a woman in Samaria, Jesus shows up for, for her. He meets her at the town's drinking fountain at a well. This is not, these are not the places that you would expect the God of the universe to show up. And I think what it tells us is something important is that as powerful, as special, as meaningful as as these times are when we come together and when we worship, and they are, 
And we, we should be here, we need to be here. Our lives, our weeks are better when we've been here or when we've been engaging online. These are powerful, but, but Jesus wants us to know that he does not want this to be the extent of the relationship that we have with him, right? He wants, he wants to continue to meet us all over the spaces and the places of our lives. And so for you, maybe this week, this is a time when you can just kind of grab a pen and paper you're sitting down for coffee one morning, and would you just start to write out some of the different spaces of your life and see what you can come up with? You know, you think about your job. You list out your, your retirement, or maybe your parenting, or your singleness. Look over your, your schedule, the way that you spend or you save your money, some of, the, some of the habits that you have that you don't even think about, some of the beliefs that you have, or some of the ways that you view the world. And just make, just make that list, all of the boats in your life, the common, ordinary boats. And as you look at that list, list, just say, all right, Jesus, where have I let you in? And which of these boats, which of these areas is a little harder for me to let you into? Because there's always at least one. I've known that in my life. I've experienced that walking alongside other people in ministry. And as you look at that list, and as you identify the areas that Jesus has stepped into and some that you've had a hard, harder time letting him into, consider step two. Step one, let Jesus in your boat. Step two, let go of your nets. Let go of the excuses that, that you let hold yourself back in experiencing a deeper relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus, he has this really strange request of Simon. You know, after he gets done teaching, he tells Simon, he says, hey, throw your nets over on this side of the boat, right? And, and you'll catch a bunch of fish. And look how Simon responds to him here. He says, master... Notice that, Master. We'll come back to that in a second. He says, we've been working hard all night and we haven't caught a thing. He starts making an excuse. He says, he says look, Jesus, you know, you, you, you might be a great master. You might be a great teacher. You might know a thing or two about the scriptures and the kingdom of God and all this, but you don't know a thing about fishing. That's not how this works. We've been out all night long fishing, doing our thing. We've covered every part of the lake. That The fish, they're not biting this morning right? And, and he comes up with this excuse. But sure enough, he, he, this, would be like if, this would be like if I showed up at your, at your job this week. You know, I don't know if maybe you're in like a financial planning or something, and I pulled up a chair at your desk, and I was like, hey, let me, let me, let me look over your books. And would be like, well, hang on, bro. <laughs> Hold up a second. Or you're a dentist, and you're doing a root canal, and I grab some of the tools too, and I kind of get in the mouth with you. And I'm like, well, you see that right there? What you really need to do is kind of come around from this side. And you would be like, hey, hey there, pastor guy. You might have something to say on Sunday morning, but don't mess. You stay in your lane here, and I'm going to stay in mine. That's kind of what Simon is doing right now. He's kind of pushing Jesus away with this excuse. But actually, he obliges. Maybe he just doesn't want Jesus to look bad. And so he says, all right throw the nets out. He throws the nets out and sure enough, the fish come. And in that moment, this miraculous moment, Simon, you know what he does? He comes up with another excuse. He falls down and he says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. He pushes Jesus away. Now to his credit in this moment, he calls Jesus Lord, not just master. He realizes that he's in the boat with something pretty significant and powerful. But what he, what he doesn't get right and what you and I can get wrong sometimes is, is that he lets his sin get in the way of his relationship with Jesus. He continually comes up with these excuses to kind of keep Jesus at bay. 
And I think that kind of goes with us too. I think we tend to do that sometimes too, right? You know, could it be that the excuses that we have or the nets that we really hold tightly to that Jesus is saying, I want you to throw those outside of the boat? You know, maybe for you, you're like, Jesus, you know, I know you know a lot about things, but you don't know my life. You don't know my job. You don't know my boss. <laughs> you don't know the stress I'm under. Uh, you don't know my, my budget and uh, you certainly don't know my family, my past. Or, or maybe like Simon, you know, you, you think, you know, Jesus, I, I know you're God. I'll give you that. But if you really knew the amount of sin in my life, if you knew the people that I've disappointed, including myself, you wouldn't waste your time here. I'm just going to blow this. You know what my excuse is? I thought about this and was praying about this. And I, th I think the excuse that I use to push Jesus away sometimes is, is fear. It's just fear. I mean, let's be honest, following Jesus, this is not an easy thing to do. And sometimes I don't know if I'm hearing him the right way. And I remember several years ago and, and I felt like Jesus was inviting me to do something, but I wasn't sure if that was what he wanted or if it was what I wanted. And I was trying to do my best and praying about it. And I was talking about it with a close friend and just stressing out over it. And, and he looked at me and he said, Brad, God's got you. Don't be afraid of this. And in that moment, those words anchored me through that decision. And as I took that step, and, and they can anchor us too. In fact, I love this detail that Luke includes in this passage. That as Simon is down on the ground saying, get, get, away, get away from me, Lord. Jesus looks at him and, and says, Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Those three words show up time and time again in Scripture. Whenever, whenever God and heaven shows up on the doorstep of someone's life. Back, back in the Old Testament with Abraham, when God says go, he says, don't be afraid. When Joshua becomes the leader of the Israelites, don't be afraid. When Moses is, is rescuing the, the, the Hebrew people out of from, Pharaoh's, from, Pharaoh's, from Egypt, God says, don't be afraid. Just a few pages ago, this little girl this, this, little, this little Hebrew girl who was just told by heaven that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the universe, and the angels tell her, don't be afraid. And I think it's something that Jesus wants you and I to hear, too, as we hear his invitation. Don't be afraid, friends. In fact, there's this other detail that Luke includes, that as the fish came, the nets broke. And I just wonder if that's what happens whenever we're willing to toss our excuses aside that the power of God meets us in that moment and actually breaks down the nets and breaks down the excuses that we have from time to time. And when they do, then it allows us to hear his invitation. And that's step three. Listen to Jesus's invitation to himself. Listen to his invitation to himself. Look at, look at how uh, uh, the, the writer Matthew puts it. Jesus says, don't be afraid. He says, come follow me. If you're, you might pay super close attention to that word me, because notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, follow the rules, right? You know, because following, this has been something that, that the, the Israelites, they have been doing for centuries. They've been following God for centuries. They had been following all of the rules and all of the guidelines and all of the laws that God had given them in order to be in relationship with him. The problem is, they were terrible at it. I mean, really not good. And so they were just getting frustrated over and over and over again at falling out of grace with, with God. And, and it kind of reminds me a few years ago, my oldest daughter, Lucy, wanted to learn how to bake. She's about 10 years old at the time. And so she, she hopped on Google and printed out a bunch of recipes. And she got one of those, those Betty Crocker cookbooks. You know what I'm talking about? The red and white checkered one. 
I don't, I think that cookbook just comes like with every kitchen. I don't even know if we bought this book. It just kind of shows up in all of our kitchens and the houses that we've been in. And she pulls this out and she gets some ingredients and she starts making some stuff and trying some stuff. And, and uh, you know, it just, it wasn't really smelling right. It wasn't tasting right. It certainly wasn't looking quite right. And we could, this is, these are the moments as parents where like they really test you and like, you, you can do it, keep going. You're like, but if I have to eat another one of those things, but not my wife, my wife's a much more patient and gracious person than I am. And she noticed how Lucy was getting so frustrated. And she said, hey, come here, girl. Like, I tell you what, why don't you pick out something that you want to make? And then tomorrow we're going to go to the store together and we're going to get all those ingredients together. And we're going to come home and we're going to make this together. And I want you to watch me, watch how I measure the things and watch how I follow the recipe here and, and how I blend the ingredients and in, in what order. And, and we'll just do this together. And slowly they began making recipes over the coming weeks so much that kind of her next birthday, Lucy made her own birthday cake. And it was this like two layer buttercream cake with this chocolate fondant cover. Did I, did I use the right words? Does that sound right, bakers in here? I don't know. It, all I know is it was good. And it didn't take long for it to be gone. I think that's what Jesus had in mind. You see, when we, when we try to follow all the rules and guidelines, and there's some good guidelines in Scripture that we need to pay attention to. But when we try to follow it alone, we're just burning cakes in the oven and getting ourselves frustrated. But when we look to Jesus... In fact, later on in Matthew's gospel, this is how Jesus puts it. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Anyone here? He says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Now, I won't lay anything or, or, or heavy or ill-fitting on you Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't, sound, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that kind of sound like the kind of relationship, the kind of God that we want to be in relationship with? Jesus doesn't say, follow the rules. He says, follow me. And when we do, then we're able to do this last step, step four, leave what's comfortable. Leave what's comfortable behind. It says uh, in Luke's gospel, it says, so they pulled up their shores, they left everything, and they followed him. Those are big words. They left everything. They left, they left what was safe. You know, they left the jobs that they knew. They left the routines. They left some of their relationships for a season. They, they left those behind. They left what was successful. Have you, would you consider how much profit they would have had on all the fish that they would have caught that day? And they just kind of left it out there. You know, they probably wouldn't have caught that much fish in a whole season of fishing, but they were willing to leave behind. And I think this is important because I honestly think that in these four steps, this is where we get stuck. That we're willing to let Jesus into our boat, the spaces of our life. We're, we're willing to let go of some of our nets, our excuses. We get really excited about the invitation to himself and not to a bunch of rules. But when it involves leaving something behind, when there's a sacrifice involved, well, then that that tends to hold us back a little bit. And people all the time are coming to Jesus in the Gospels and, and they've gotten this far. But then when Jesus says, you've got to give up something, you've got that right there, you've got to give that up because that's more important to you than me. You know, those are hard words for people to handle and a lot of them turned back. And I think, 
I think for Simon, I, I think about all that he would have missed out on had he not taken this step. All that he saw, all that he was a part of, all of the miracles that he watched happen. That Jesus was coming and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Jesus is saying, you know, Simon, you have spent your life catching fish to kill them. I'm inviting you to catch people so that you can give them life. I'm inviting you to this purpose so much bigger than you've ever known, so much bigger than yourself. In fact, 2,000 years from now, there's going to be a group of people in this old furniture store off of I-35 reading about this right now. What's happening? Because your legacy and the things that you will have done and words that you have written in scripture will continue to be passed down and to encourage people and inspire them that just like you were able to take this step, they can too. And they can become a force in this world as my disciples too. But if he hadn't taken that step, he would have never gotten to experience any of those things. And so we can't let what's hard hold us back. And so as you think about those four steps, the question I have for you is just, what, what step might God be inviting you to take today? Is there a boat that he wants you to let him into? Is there a, an excuse, a net that, that you're feeling like, you know what, maybe I need to loosen my grip on that? Have you been viewing, have you been hearing his invitation as something through this grid of rules and that you're just not sure that you can keep, or maybe you've been really good at keeping them almost too good and not good at listening to Jesus's heart. Maybe there's something you need to leave behind. And as we think about those four steps, something that's really helpful that we need to keep in mind is, is these are not one and done. These are, these are not four and done. We don't, we don't ever get done taking these steps. Jesus is continually asking us to take steps forward. As long as we're following him, he's gonna give us a step to take. I love a book by Eugene Peterson called a long obedience in the same direction. It's talking about what this following Jesus looks like. And he shares a quote uh, by William Faulkner that says that we can really, we can kind of view our relationship with God as one of two ways. We can look at it as a monument or we can look at it as a, as a set of footprints. And a monument only says that at least I got this far. While a footprint says, well, this is where I was when I moved again. And when I read that, I can't help but think that there are some footprints that God wants to happen today, that God wants to happen in your life right now, that if we're just setting up monuments, what are we missing that's out ahead of us? And what's just the footprint, your footprint, that God wants to leave in the dust of the moment that you sit in right now? Now, here's the other thing, is that Jesus is not inviting us to take these steps alone. We don't have to take these steps alone, friends. Did you notice in that verse that we read a little bit ago? It says, so they pulled up their boats. Didn't say Simon, it says they. From this moment, everything that Simon did was as a follower of Jesus was something that he did in relationships with other people who were following Jesus too. That for the next few years that, that Jesus was inviting Simon into a relationship with him, but also into a relationship with these other 11 plus people that, that Simon would walk with, that he would journey with, that he would do life with, that, that he would learn from, that they would laugh with and share meals with and hear about one another's families with and wrestle with some of the hard truths of Jesus's teachings with. And sometimes they even wrestled 
with each other because when you get into relationships with other people, arguments happen. You know, fights sometimes happen, but they worked through those things as they cheered one another on, as they followed Jesus together. And that's the same invitation that Jesus gives you and me. I mean, if COVID has taught us anything, it's how important we are to one another, right? I mean, like when I know at least up in Minneapolis, when we were watching, when we were watching the kind of the, the stay-at-home restrictions kind of lessen up, I mean, we were, the, the amount of relief that we would feel like, finally, I get, I get to be with someone. I get to look someone in the eyes. I get to feel the support and the encouragement and the connection and the incidental conversations that just happen when we're around with one another, the way that we were meant to live. Why would our relationship with God be any less dependent on one another? In fact, there's been times where I hear, and, and I've said this too, it's like, you know what? I don't need people. I just need Jesus. And I, I've said that, maybe you said that too, and it makes sense because honestly, human relationships community can be hard, right? It can be, it can be messy. It requires time and effort. And sometimes we get, we get nipped a little bit in these relationships, or maybe, maybe a lot, and maybe you have too. And that's why you found yourself saying that. And I, I get it. The problem is, is that Jesus would would tell us we're wrong. He said, no, you need more than me. In fact, there's one person in all of scripture who had God to himself. It was Adam, way back at the beginning before sin was even in the world. And he had God all to himself and, it was, and that was the one thing in all of creation that God said, it's not good. It is not good for him to be alone. And it tells us that there is some part of God there's some part of our relationship with God that we were meant to experience with other people, with one another, that we actually experience God more richly, more meaningfully, more powerfully when we do so with one another, with people, as messy as it is. It's this beautiful mess of community of people who have Jesus at the center and are pursuing him together and living out that mission in our world and in your life. In fact, as Alice and I were thinking about some of the community, the Jesus, community, Jesus first community that we've had in our life in different seasons and groups that we've been a part of and just families that we've connected with and the people that we've followed Jesus with. Now you, you, gotta, you gotta understand, I'm an introvert. My wife is an introvert. We have four kids. We're tired, <laughs> right? Maybe you identify with that too. We're stressed out. We don't have time for these things. We're chasing our kids all over every, every place there is. And yet we are convinced and committed that our life is richer and our experience of faith in God is richer because we have, a, we have pursued those things with these people. I mean, these are the people that, that, that we've wrestled with Jesus' teachings with, that we've learned from, that we've learned with. These are the people who, who showed up at the hospital when our kids were in the hospital. And they brought us meals and they sent us texts. They're the ones that are, that are texting me this morning to say, hey, we're praying for you this morning. And we're praying for Heartland. These are the people that make that experience of discipleship and following Jesus so beautiful. In fact, as, as, and it doesn't mean it was easy, but it was worth it. And as, G, as uh, Allison was telling me, she said, she put it well, you're going to get to meet her. She's a hoot. Um, as she was telling me, she said, you know what? I think by being in community with these other people in our lives, not just community, but, but people who love Jesus and wanted to, us to love him deeply too, we were given a front row seat to what God was doing in other people's lives. And because of that 
we were getting a front row seat to what God was doing in our life that we might have missed out on. So my question, two questions I want to leave with you today, friends. Can I call you friends? Are we friends? Two questions I want to leave with you. One, what is the step that Jesus is inviting you to take? Which of those steps? We're going to throw some of them up on social media this week. Just kind of jog our memories. Let Jesus in your boat. Let go of your nets. Listen to his invitation. Leave what's comfortable behind. And just hold that before God. But the second step, the, the second question I want to leave with you is who is in your life that Jesus is inviting you to follow him with? And we're going to be talking about all sorts of groups and communities and expressions of, of community that are, that are happening and can be found here at Heartland. But I know, I believe that there are people that God has already put in your life that if we just take one step of intentionality with and say, hey, can we do this together? And maybe it just starts by saying, here's a step that Jesus is inviting me to take. Will you cheer me on? Will you encourage me and pray for me as I do this? And you can do the same for them. And the thing about these steps is, is, is this is what makes community possible. We don't just let Jesus in our boat. We let other people into our boat too. We let other people into the common spaces of our life. We got to let go of the excuses that we put up that keep other people at bay. That other people actually help us hear Jesus' invitation more clearly. But it also, other people, requires us to leave something comfortable behind. And so think about those things. We've got an amazing adventure ahead of us, Heartland. And I am so thrilled to be with you in it and to be following Jesus with you. Let's pray. And so, Heavenly Father, in your grace, you have given us such uh, an incredible life to live. And you cre you've created this beautiful thing called the church, and you've brought Heartland to this point in its history with so much, Lord, that you take pleasure in, that you have done through the people of this church. And I pray in the months ahead, Lord, that you would allow us to be that Jesus-first people that can truly change this community, the communities around us in the world. But I know that it starts with what you want to do in our hearts right now. And Lord, that you would help us never stop taking steps. Lord, it's always an invitation. You never force us into this relationship. You never force us to, to make changes in our life. You only invite us. And so we want to listen to that invitation well today. And I pray that there would be some footprints today of where we once were. So that when we come back next week, Lord, we're continuing to move forward. Help us to hear your words, Jesus. Come, follow me. And it's in your sweet and beautiful name that we here and all of us online who are watching pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Amen. As Brad and his family prepare to join us in April, we wanted to just take a moment and give thanks to God as a way of receiving him and receiving them. Uh, give thanks to God together in prayer. Uh, as Brad comes to give leadership to this area of community and discipleship, uh, we're just really grateful for God's gift of you to us. So join me in praying as we receive them today. Jesus, we recognize that your gifts uh, are generous and they're by your hand and they're timely. And in this case, they're really personal. Just thinking of the journey you've had Brad and Allison on, 
and that you would choose to bring them here and to be partners with us to live a life in you and in community and to give leadership that would help us do the same, to influence this community with encounters with you, Jesus, that opens the door wide to access, people accessing you through our lives. What a joy we can look forward to, what a privilege. We get to do it together in the power of your spirit. We thank you for that. We pray for Brad and Allison for all the details that are to be worked out over the coming weeks, that in the midst of that, who you are, Jesus, would continue to grow large, would be the beacon as well as the magnet, just drawing them forward, leading the way, and we want to receive them with joy and anticipation. So we do that together, thanking you, Jesus, and in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Brad's going to be down here. If you want to say hello to him, feel free to do that. If you're here and have been moved by God, what has been shared this morning and want to pray, there'll be people here to pray for you as well. So please come take advantage of that. Next steps. Let's do it, Heartland. Have a great week.